What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, Jack Vita, as always. And if you guys like what you hear today, we are going to, uh, we got a lot of big content coming out college football preview, NFL preview dropping next week. We have another special guest stopping in on the podcast today as well as later, either next week or the week after. A lot of content. So make sure you guys subscribe to the Jack Vita Show wherever it is that you get your podcast. Follow along on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Vote for the greatest sports movie of all time. We got a bracket going. And uh, I don't want to waste any more time because we got a very special guest joining us right now, as many can see. Uh, he's a guy who played in the NBA in his rookie year, 2017 to 2018 for the Phoenix Suns, who just played in the NBA Finals. He's since been playing in Europe. We went to Valparaiso University together. I covered him for two years. Uh, in my two years at Valpo, I covered the Valpo men's basketball team where he set a lot of records, including... Uh, all time in terms of points, rebounds, field goals, free throws, maybe some other records that I don't even know about. Alec Peters, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. It's great to be here, Jack. I'm uh, like I like I was telling you before we kind of started here. I, I've listened in a few times. You know, I love some of the content that you've been putting out there, and I was really uh, really happy when you asked me to you know come on and, and talk a few things, talk about sports and uh, you know life in general. What's been going on with me? So. I was trying to think about this. When was the last time you remember talking to me? Because it, it had been, we hadn't talked since graduation. So that was at least four years. Yeah. So I think the probably most memorable, you know, moment that I think we had together was on the train going to yeah. um, Chicago. It was me, Nick Davidson, Jacob Schoon. We were going to a Cubs game. And I remember you were taking the train, I think home um, yeah. for the weekend, whatever it may be. And, you know, we, we spent that entire train ride just, you know, getting to know each other better because you know other than that we had uh you know briefly in passing at sports games at Valpo games wherever we were we would strike up conversation it was you know mainly about you know the given sport game we were at but no that, that was like probably the most memorable you know time you and I spent together uh was that train ride we played cards I think and you know we just kind of chopped it up and talked about whatever yeah we talked Cubs and I remember you were very you were a lot more optimistic about the Cubs that year than I was. I remember I was like, I don't know about this Jason Hayward signing, the lackey signing. I'm not sure. And you're like, I mean, this team's really good, Jack. I think they're going to win it this year. So I got to give you props. They did it. That was uh, probably other than some of the Valpo moments I had, one of the most memorable college experiences for me was watching that World Series Game Seven in my uptown East apartment with uh, with Nick Davidson. I remember turning my coffee table over after, uh, you know, Bryant made that play to to Rizzo to get that last out. And I think you know you could hear every. There was a couple of places on campus everybody erupted, you know, just because you know so unexpected, not unexpected, but like it just it had happened. You know, everybody had sensed they were great, and for it to just happen like that, it was it was a, a moment I'll, I'll always remember. It was such a fun time. And because they did that, I don't feel all that bad about what's happening right now. The Cubs, by the way, were on a 12-game losing streak. They snapped that earlier this week, taking two of three from the Reds. Uh, but this is not the Cubs team that we knew uh, for the last five, six years. This is Right now, they're essentially tanking to try to get as high up the draft board as they can. What are your thoughts on just this how everything transpired over the last few weeks alec were you surprised that things ended as abruptly as they did you know the, a few things on it kind of 
made me it kind of made me angry a little bit and a couple of things you understood. I think you understood that they were going to disassemble the, you know, disassemble the, the car, you know, so to speak and put it in parts and sell it off and, you know, start over. But I, I kind of, you know, I was hoping that maybe Rizzo or Bryant, they would get that last game, that last at bat, that last standing O at Wrigley. And it just never happened. And that, that kind of made me, you know, upset. Like those, those guys were part of the greatest team in Cubs history. You know, the 2016 world series champs, like those guys deserve to leave the team and leave the city with, you know, a little bit more of a, um, you know, going out party and, and to, to see them kind of sit that last game and, you know, kind of wait to see what was going to happen. That, that made me a little upset. I wish that things could have ended um, and, and more of a riding off in the sunset type of thing. But I think you, I think we all saw it, you know, you win the world series and it, you think you can just ride that the next couple of years, you're going to be competitive. And yes, they made the playoffs, but I think you just, you saw the, the steam, you know, let out of the engine and they just, you know, they just weren't the same guys. Do you think, you know, are they super talented? Absolutely. You know, Baez, as talented as he is, he still makes a ton of errors. You know, Contreras is, you know, flashy and as, as good of a catcher as he is, you know, does he, when, does he have a, really does have a big bat? Like, yes, he does, but does he hit it all the time? No, you know, there's, you just, you saw the talent, but not the production in the coming years. And, and so it makes sense what, you know, uh, what Jed Hoyer's doing in, uh, in, in the rebuild type of thing. I just, I wish it would have hopefully writ, wrote out for a couple more years because, you know, we just, as Cubs fans, you went through this, you know, not just 10 years ago, we were going through this and now we're gonna have to go through it again. And, um, you know, in my, in my perfect world and wishful thinking as a Cubs fan, I'm hoping they go get somebody or go try and get a couple of players, you know, cause there, it's not, it's not a small budget team. You know, you have the money to go get some new players and maybe some better veterans to hopefully be competitive in the next year or two. Isn't there still time for those guys to get a final at bat at Wrigley? I mean, I feel like Anthony Rizzo is going to come back to the Cubs in four years and he's going to play the, it's going to, he's going to come full circle and he's going to be grandpa Riz. He's going to be the David Ross to the next uh, Cubs team. Yeah. In a perfect world, I think, yes. You know, I think you would, expect that or hope for that you know i just the the recency of it you just you you hoped and i just i you know you wanted you wished instead of just seeing the tribute videos online you wish you would have seen that final you know standing go where you see the player get emotional at home plate or you know you see them run out and play third base or first base for the last time and um just getting that that crowd noise and then seeing that you know the sports fans live for that they live for seeing that that rawness and that emotion from those players did you ever experience anything like that in terms of that emotion playing in front of the fans? Have you experienced that professionally or Valpo? Was there something, a, one singular experience that felt like that or many? Oh, man. You know, in terms of raw emotion, I mean, senior night at Valpo was super, like, I, I don't want to say it was emotional, but it was like, like I knew – they, and I don't know if you remember or not, like I had my, my, I had a broken foot and like, I kind of knew after that game that like, it wasn't great. Like it, I could barely walk. I was limping. Like I knew something was like majorly wrong with me. And I think that was probably the most like hard hitting game. I, you know, I'd played in, we won, it was senior night. And not only was it, you know, my last home game at Valpo, but like, you know, it might've been my last, it was probably my last game of the season. And, you know, as a team that was aspiring to be an NCAA tournament team, a sleeper team, an upset team, um, to not be there for that and realizing like, okay, like, you know, this is, this is it. Like, this is my college career wrapped up right now because of, you know, this injury that I have. Like, I, that was, uh, 
a memorable moment for me. But as a professional, I mean, I, I, mean, I won a EuroLeague championship my second year as a pro, first year in Europe, uh, which for people that, you know, don't know how to compare the two, that's, it's like the NBA of Europe, you know, it's like the best teams over here, second best league in the world. And, you know, we, we won a championship in my first year doing it. And I didn't know what to feel, what to expect, but, you know, as the, you start celebrating more, you see how happy everybody else is. You're like, oh, like nothing gets better than that. Like being the team, that's the best being part of the best, being one of the best to just, there's, you know, you can't, you can't put those emotions uh, in words. Well, I remember you said, I'm not sure if you remember, of course I remember uh, how things shook out our senior year because I was only at Valpo for two years and I was able to be on that basketball beat and cover the team and have a front row seat. And as you mentioned, like before that bus trip or the bus or sorry, the train ride, I mean, we had everything we had ever talked to each other had been very professional. It was like, oh, I'm just covering the team. I'm here to ask you questions or whatever. Um, but I remember that because I was so excited to travel. I was like, oh, I might get to go to the MCLA tournament this year. I might get to, uh, so I had the same, maybe not the same exact heartbreak that you did, but I had a similar heartbreak when we lost in Detroit and had to go home after one day at Motor City Madness. I mean, that just absolutely sucked. Just a terrible ending to the season, terrible ending to, you know, the guys that had been there for four years, three years. You know, we had a great, such a great group that built something so special and something that, you know, you thought would be, like I said, like I said, with the Cubs, a sunset end ending, you know, riding off and, and being a part of that. And it just for it to shake out the way it did, it still eats at me, still eats at me today. But, you know, that's. That's life. That's that's a ton of things in life. I'm sure, you know, just like anybody else, you know, you have things that will eat at you and then you just got to move on and shake it off and continue to live. So Valparaiso, our alma mater, was in the news last week because they changed their name. They are no longer the Crusaders. They're the Beacons. Valparaiso Beacons. Now, we did a couple months ago, we did a podcast episode where we pitched a bunch of name ideas. I did it with Andrew Stem, Parker Gatewood. Beacons was not on our list, Alec. What are you? What's your thought of this new Valpo team name? What do you think? Interesting, interesting. Um, you know, but it's think of it like I think of it like this. Like I just got married, right? Like my last name with my wife's first name doesn't sound great, but the more you say it, the more you get used to it. The more other people say it, the more she introduces herself. Like you just, it's just gonna come together and, and be what it is. So I think you know over time. People say it enough. People wear the shirts. They, you know, it just becomes a normal thing. And then all of a sudden, like, they'll be talking about, you know, yeah, we used to be the Crusaders. And it's just going to be one of those things. But no, like, like me and you, like, we're Crusader alumni, man. Like, I, you know, I don't, I don't consider it um, any, anything else. I'm still going to keep, I still have all my stuff that says Crusader. I'm not going to throw it away or not wear it. Like, it's just, <laughs> that, that's, that'd be silly. I think the name Beacon and what it means is a great example of, like, what you want people from the university to be but is it the best team name i don't think so i think there were a number of other directions they could have gone in fact i went to a best i went to a baseball game with a bunch of the valpo basketball team now and i was asking around what do you guys think of some of these names and a lot of them were saying you know what if you're going to change the name just make it valparaiso gold just just basically let's keep valpo as our brand we'll make it we are valpo that's our that's our brand but like, why do we have to have some kind of a noose? And then the other thing with the, if you make it the gold, you can choose whatever mascot you want. You could make any kind of yeah. fun mascot. 
I think mascot is a good marketing chip to get attention to the school. Um, but if you're going to name it something else, I, I, it doesn't sound like people are super excited about it. No, I get that feeling, the same feeling that you get. I, I think everybody's kind of in that, that blah kind of, you know, could have done better, you know, just that kind of mode. And, you know, it, it, listen, it's a hard decision. People in, in charge making those decisions, you know, you, you know, everybody in hindsight always says they could do better. They could pick something better, but you have to give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. And, um, I think, but, you know, I, I think if you would have listened to the fan base, if you would have pulled the fan base, I think you would have gone a different direction, in my opinion. So when we were on that train ride, I also remember you guys were talking a bunch about, it was very candid. I got to hear a lot about the team that I hadn't heard before. And I remember you guys were kind of talking about, and at this time you had declared for the draft. It was after your, uh, it was uh, the jun- your junior season had just ended. Um, so you went through some of that workout stuff like that, but that was the first year I believe that you could put your name into the draft and then pull out before mm-hmm. the draft and retain your eligibility to keep playing college basketball. Um, but there were a lot of rumors about you potentially transferring at that time. So I remember talking to people on campus, talking to Jeffrey Shorsh, who was one of your good friends at Valpo from the tennis team. I remember asking Jeffrey, I'm like, what's going to happen with Alec? And he's like, honestly, I have no idea. Like, I really don't know. A lot of people were concerned you were going to leave. When we were on that train ride, there were a couple times I remember you talking about next year, we're going to have this great team. It, it, it seemed to me like that was your plan all along. If things didn't work out with NBA draft to come back, did you ever entertain the idea of transferring? Yes. To answer your question, yes, I did entertain it, but I didn't entertain it enough to where it became a like hard, you know, line. Do I transfer or not? I think I would have been stupid not to like, you know, not play the field, but you know what I mean? Like see what's out there, like do the research, do the, do the, the background, the due diligence, I guess, you know, on, on what, what my life or, you know, try to predict what it could have been like um, that next year. But, you know, I, did I ever get to the far enough point where it was like no turning back? Like I need to, um, I need to leave. No. Um, yeah. It was just, it came down to, you know, could I have went and played at a bigger school? Of course, but would would I have had the same basketball career as a whole? Um, I don't think so. And, and to spend it with, you know, my best friend and you know people that were in my wedding, you know, a, a week or so, you know, a week or so ago, and um, to be able to to have that last year, even though it did shake out not the way we wanted to, it it still is one of the best years of uh, of my life. You know, to spend it with those guys and the teammates and. Um, you know, we all wish we could have done things differently, but you know, it, it was, uh, and I don't think anybody really knew, even I, I really didn't, you know, know until the last week when the decision needed to be made on whether to pull my name out, whether to transfer, whether to re-enroll in school, whatever it may be. But no, I never went to, I never went to La Barbara and asked for, you know, a release. I never, um, got that far into the process of it. I just, you know, remember taking in the information that was being given to me, you know, through different mediums that would, you know, circle back to me with the the different uh different schools and stuff that were trying to come in contact. But ultimately, yeah, I couldn't have I couldn't have saw myself wearing uh wearing a different jersey that last year. What schools reached out? I guess we are kind of far removed from it now, so I guess we couldn't talk about it. But um no, I mean y- this is not to like, you know, showboat or anything, but like, you know, you, you got Duke, Michigan State, you got Kentucky. I mean, you, you just 
pull a name out of a hat. And that's what, you know, everybody was in my circle that was being contacted by them was telling me about it and they were getting excited for me and everybody's like thinking that it's going to happen and that that's the route it's going. And, it, you know, I, I, I'm not a big school kid. That's, you know, kind of what it came down to. I'm a small town kid. I'm from small town in Illinois. Like I went to a small school in Valpo. Like, you know, I make things work because I go to these not so known places and I, and I, you know, and I help build something and I help, and I become part of something that's, you know, bigger than what it is. And that, that was kind of, you know, my, how I've had my success. So why change that? Yeah. And you were, I think an honorable all American that year, 2016, and then you were again in 17. So I have to think everyone wanted you at that point. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. Uh, it got to that's, you know, it got to that point where it was like, all right, do I keep entertaining this information or do I just say, all right, you know, we're not doing this anymore. This is, you know, I don't care if they're promising final fours championships, you know, you know, all conference, you know, draft pick status, whatever it may be. Like, I'm just not, you know, this is, this is not me. This is not what I'm about. This is not, you know, I'm a loyal guy, I'm a loyal guy by nature. And then, you know, my loyalty um, was to those guys and, and those teammates that I had and the coaches and, and that school. So if you were to join uh, Coach Lodick and Coach Gore tomorrow on the recruiting trail, what would your recruiting pitch be to guys who are considering Valparaiso? That's tough, Jack. See, I get asked this question all the time. Like, do I want to be a coach someday? And that's, you know, obviously I couldn't imagine my life without basketball. So like, I'll start by saying like, if I were to coach someday, I think college coaching would be like the worst thing I'm at because <laughs> I am like the worst person at like calling somebody recruiting and telling how great they are. Like I would like, for some reason I would struggle with that. I would, you know, I'd always like try to find a way to like think of you know, something that you're not, that some hole in your, in your, in your game. And I just, I, so for me, it, I would, I would, I'd be honest with them. I, I'd tell them like, look, like this is not the sexiest place you're going to come and visit. You know, you're not going to have all the amenities you wish you could have. You're not going to have air conditioning in your dorm, your freshman year. You're, you know, you're going to have <laughs> some, uh, some things that are not, you know, not going to be too appealing to you, but you're going to be in a place that has a chance to win. And you're going to be a part of something that, you know, if you do make it, if you, if you do come and you do play well, you, you know, that is going to give you a bigger status than if you were to go somewhere that was built to win. If you go to some place that's small like Valpo and you make it a winner, you make it a beast, you make it a powerhouse at its level. And, you know, you, you, you show up well against those, those power five schools, like that holds more weight than someone that's going to go to Loyola. Loyola is expected to have success. You know, you go to Loyola and don't have success. That's going to, you know, put you in headlights but if you go to a Valpo and you have success that's going to give you more of a boost that's going to show people that you're really you know you're the real deal that you're 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 that kind of guy so you were drafted with the 54th overall pick in the second round of the 2017 NBA draft was your time in the NBA so far because you could still go back to the NBA you got a lot of years ahead of you 20 games with the Suns 2017 to 2018 35 G League games. So you bounced back and forth between G League and the, the NBA. Was the NBA experience all it was cracked up, up to be? Was it more than that? What'd you think? For me, no. My year in the NBA, to be quite honest, sucked. Like we were the worst team in the league. We won 20 games all year. We went the entire month of January. We didn't win one game. And it was almost miserable for me because not only are you part of the worst team in the league, you're a young guy on the worst team in the league. So, 
you know, those, those, you know, think of those younger players I had, you know, Josh Jackson, he's in what in Detroit now, like, you know, he's a great player, but he was top five draft pick that year. And uh, I think he's playing for a minimum deal in Detroit. You know, Davon Reed was a second round pick in the same draft as me. Like he's fighting out in the G league right now. Like when you, you know, as talented as you may be, as good of a basketball player, you may be when you get put in that hole of like, all right, he was a young guy on the worst team in the league. Your prospects moving forward or not, you know, unless it's with that team, unless that team gives you another chance again, you know, you're you're going to have bad luck, you know, in the upcoming free agency in terms of trying to find a new job, a new place that's going to give you more than what you, you know, were already experiencing. And then, you know, that's when the door opened up to go play for you know, the best team in Europe. And, you know, would I have traveled there in my life had it not been for basketball absolutely not like i'm a i'm a homebody i'm an american boy i think you could find everything i want in america and then be just happy the rest of my life but now these past three going on four years now of uh, doing it has just opened me up to a whole new world of of people of experiences uh, anything and and you know it's been a true blessing for me and now i get to share it with uh with my wife as well and you know we couldn't ask for anything anything better so as an American, I'm ignorant to a lot of EuroLeague stuff and what goes on outside of America, obviously. So how does this process work? Do you have to pitch yourself to the European League teams or it sounded like they were knocking on your door to call you up, bring you over there? No, the, the, I mean, it's advancing. Um, they're taking a step up over here in terms of their technology and their ability to scout in their um uh, within the clubs, within the teams, they, they do a really good job of researching college players. You know, uh, the coaches I've played for knew everything about me when I was in college. And, you know, some of them knew where I went to high school. It just, they, they do their research. You know, it, it's, it's just like if you were to take teams in America, college, MBA, everything and stick it in Europe, like that's, that's what it is. You know, you have your, your lower tier teams, then you have your top tier first division Euro league, you know, top level teams. And, uh, you know, those teams obviously have the most money. They have the bigger budgets. They can, you know, get the better players. They have the better amenities, um, and all that. It's just, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's its own, it's its own competition. And it's one of the most intense, um, fun experiences. You know, every game is like Duke, North Carolina on steroids, man. You just, every fan, they live and die by it. Um, you know, you see, I mean, you've seen videos of the soccer crowds and, you know, from Premier League clubs and Champions League type stuff and soccer. Like, that's exactly what it is for the basketball teams as well. And uh, it, it, man, it's like your heart's pounding out of your chest every time you take the floor. And it's an experience unlike anything else. Now, there's been a lot of chatter this past summer, just a lot of criticism of NBA refs and people saying that, hey, maybe these international refs, the officiating's better over there. Some people think maybe there's a little less star treatment. Is there any truth to that, or does it appear to be the same? The game's different. It just is. The international game, the NBA, I mean, you saw with the Olympics, you know, I think what the Olympics proved is that the, the talent gap between what's in the NBA um, and what's in in Europe is starting to, starting to close, and it's starting to close really fast. And um, the Olympics, I think, proved that. Team USA, U the USA is always going to have the more – premier athletes, the better players, the better talent. Uh, but I think you're starting to see a lot of European players, a lot of countries in Europe are, are, you know, doing their best to close that gap. And they're starting to adapt a lot of new teachings, a lot of new things that are helping develop, um, develop their players. Um, but going back to kind of what you were, what you were saying, what you were asking me about, you know, the refereeing and, and 
I think that the game is just it, it's ref differently. Uh, I think in Europe you're you're allowed to be super physical in some areas, but then in some areas you're absolutely like you're dinged on the first first touch. And I think in the NBA you're starting to see like refs cater towards the offense so much, and they have it is an incredibly hard job to be a referee. I will say that you know it is it is incredibly difficult to try and see things in real time with fast players with quick motion. Um, you know, with, with star players in their ear because, you know, referees aware referees aren't, you know, I, I, I've met and talked to plenty of referees in my time as a basketball player. They're plenty aware who the best player is. They can't foul them out the game. You know, there, there's certain awareness amongst the referees that they, they have to call a game a certain way. Um, but I think within that they do the best job they can to make it fair for everybody. But ultimately, you know, circling back to what you were saying, there are some players that, they're aware of that they need to either keep in the game or give a little bit more leash and, and, and all that. So in, we have to talk about your one shining moment in the NBA last NBA game. You play (laughs) 36 points, nine rebounds, eight, three pointers. Do you know who the only, there was only one other player that season who put up 35 points, nine rebounds, eight threes. Do you know who that player was? Of course I do, because not everybody was telling me about it afterwards. It's uh, James Harden that year, and yeah, I, you know, I, I when people bring that up, it's like you know, I, yeah, I used to be somebody, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I mean that was a great moment. It, that was the moment for me that gave me the like, okay, you belong here. Like you, you can do this. Like you can play at the highest level against the the best players, and you can get that that feeling that like, you know, baskets wide as the ocean type of feeling like you can, you can get that and you can be that. Um, and you can definitely contribute at this level. Now, when you're going to get the next chance to do that depends on how your career shakes out. And, you know, you, you prefaced it earlier, like I'm still, you know, young in terms of my playing career and, you know, hopefully that door will open up again. Um, when the time is right. Um, I don't see myself doing it just to, just to do it. I'd have to be the right opportunity, right place, right time and be, you know, worth it to me to, to make that jump and uh, we'll see what happens. But yeah, that, that game, you know, everybody loves to, loves to bring it up, talk to me about it and tell me all the statistics behind it. And um, each time they do, it just seems like it was farther and farther away. Like it was so long ago. Hey, God's timing is perfect, man. You may, you may get it. You might get back over to the States sooner or later. Hey, that's, that's I'll always be the goal. It's home, man. You can't be being at home. Um, you know, Europe's great. Like I said, the, the intensity, the atmosphere here is unbelievable, but uh, I'll never be, you never be able to be playing at home in front of your family, in front of your friends more consistently, instead of having to worry about having them travel across the ocean for a few weeks to see you. Now, Alec, a few things here from the world of sports, and then I know you got to get to bed. So a little run through of some baseball news. Here's what we got this weekend. Padres have lost seven of eight. And they're losing games to bad teams. They lost to the Marlins, Rockies, Diamondbacks. Phillies were on a seven-game win streak. They were in first place in the NL East uh, just about 10 days ago. And now they lose seven of nine. Something's got to give this weekend. Padres and Phillies, uh, big series people should keep an eye on. Uh, The Reds are just one game back now of the Padres in the wildcard spot. Padres, again, you Darvish on the DL. A lot going on with that team. Cardinals only three and a half games back, and then the Phillies are starting to fall out of it in the NL East. Again, they were just in first place a second ago. Braves have won six straight. They sweep the Marlins and Nationals. They now have a four-game lead 
in the NL East. The Mets are below 500 now at 60 and 61. Owner Steve Cohen is tweeting about his team. He's not very happy. I don't love so that do, from so an owner. You don't love it? So so let, let me get your thoughts on that. You you don't love the, the whole owner speaking out on social media. No. Would you want that if your owner was doing that? You're playing on a team? I think it's entertaining as a fan. Well, yeah. But playing on a team, probably not. I would I'd be, you know, ready to walk in his office and give him one between the eyes, but um <laughs> But no, I, yeah, I'd be, I'd be interested to see what you think. What you think from from your perspective? Um, you know, as a, as someone in the media, is that kind of a like I don't know, kid in the candy store? You have an owner tweet something out like that, you just take <laughs> it and run with it, or what, like what is it? What is that feeling for someone in the media? I think that's one hundred percent correct about people in the media, where it's like, oh, this is perfect. Baseball's a long season. This is something that can cross over into more of a mainstream sports story rather than just baseball. Um, it's the New York Mets. They're a team that's been dysfunctional for what seems like more than a decade. It's been a dysfunctional organization for a long time. It, it feels like to me, meet the new Mets, same as the old Mets. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be interested to see if he is, or if someone's had a talk with, with him and said, Hey, like you probably shouldn't do it again. Or if he's going to continue to just throw it out there and put, put the guys, put the players on, on blast that that'll be interesting to see how that, because like you said, baseball is a long season to have something juicy like that pop up. I'm sure it gave everybody a little rejolt and rejuvenated them as we get through like the middle part here before the playoffs. Hey man, it must be a New York thing. There was a president not too long ago from New York who was putting out similar tweets. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> New Yorkers, man, they don't have a filter. Nope, and they never will. They never will. They, they think they're the greatest. And uh... <laughs> So on the AL side of things, the Yankees are playing some of the best baseball they've had all year. They've won seven straight, sweep the Red Sox this week. Now they have the top wild card spot. Oakland's a game back of them. They're two and a half games back of the Astros in the AL West. Red Sox, half a game out of the wild card spot. Seattle Mariners, three games back. Toronto, four and a half games back. Uh, Really exciting time. Yankees, Braves playing some great baseball. Exciting stretch of baseball. Unfortunately, on the downside of things, Chris Bassett, the A's, uh, arguably their best pitcher this year. He was hit by a line drive right back at him. Hit him right in the face. Fractured his cheekbone, upper jaw, but it sounds like he's going to be okay. So that's your baseball news for the week, Alec. You ran through that pretty smooth, man. You you stay on top of it. That's you know I, I think that Phillies and uh, Padres here. That's I think people throughout the baseball season like oh, a lot of season left, a lot of season left, a lot of season left, and they still think that now you're getting into you know 130 games now, 120, 130 games. Like you know not a lot of baseball left. You know these teams have to start to pull ahead in some way, shape or form, or they need to stay in the race or, you know, you can't see, um, you can't see these teams fall out four or five games. Cause that, that's, you know, that's becoming a bigger hill to climb, you know, two months ago or a month ago, you know, 10 games back wasn't, you know, sell out your season. Like this is, you know, time to mail it in. Like this is, you know, getting to the time where if you're, if you're five, six games back going with, you know, 15 games, I mean, that's a tough, it's a tough hill to climb. Yeah, this is the nitty gritty right here. It should make for some great entertainment. Make sure you guys are subscribed to the Jack Vita Show for more baseball content. All right, in the words of Tony Kornheiser, Alec, I'm going to get you out of here on this. 
How many wins for the Chicago Bears this season? How many games does Andy Dalton start? Um, That's a great question, by the way. I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking eight, maybe eight or nine. I'm going to say seven wins. Seven wins. Seven Seven wins. I think, you know, everyone wants to talk about the QB situation, but they do have some good pieces. I think that can still keep them, you know, showing up on Sundays, giving them competitive games. Um, Hopefully playing in Chicago this year will mean something and that they'll, you know, protect the home field. It's just the QB situation is is on everybody's mind. So I'll be interested to see how many many games Andy Andy Dalton starts, depending on how they're doing. I'm sure if they have success early on, like he's going to be, he's going to be their guy. Just, you know, I think everybody's still, just miffed as to how that all shook out. You, you sign a guy and then you draft a guy, you know, it just which direction you want to go with. I don't know. I don't know what, what Coach Nagy's got in his uh, in his mind, but I think this is a, it might be a make or break decision for him. So you sound like a start Justin Fields week one kind of guy. I'm a, I'm a make your decision and ha- have everybody like if you make if you wait to the last minute to make the decision. You're gonna piss Andy Dalton off. You're gonna piss off. You know, sorry for. The no, you can say you, you can say piss. Yeah. Okay, you're gonna yeah. you're gonna you're gonna tick off. You know, you're gonna you're gonna make mad everybody that was you know working with Andy in the first team. Like if you if you're waiting to make this decision, that's when people get angry. If you make the decision clear cut, this is what we're doing. This is the direction we're taking with our team early on. Everybody can fizzle out and get ready for the season on their own time. Tell me what you think of this, and I'm a Steelers fan, so I have a, I don't have much skin in the game. But I look at this and I say, and again, we'll be getting more of this in the our NFL preview coming out this next week. Make sure you guys are subscribed to the Jack Vita Show and log on to my site, jackvita.com. Tell me what you think of this, Alec. The Bears' window is not 2021. It's 2022 and beyond. Aaron Rodgers does not have much time left in Green Bay. The Vikings have proven themselves to be an average team, really, over the last three years. It seems like something's got to give in this Kirk Cousins, Don, um, sorry, not Don Zimmer, Mike Zimmer. <laughs> Mike Zimmer, Kirk Cousins, I don't know if they're the best combo there. Lions are in a full-scale rebuild. Let's say Rodgers leaves Green Bay next year. I like the Bears a lot for next season. I think the goal should be get Justin Fields as ready and as best as you can for week one of 2022. If that means not playing him until later in the season, because like you said, this is like what seven and 10 win team, like a, an average team really. So the bears could be, I think right now there's a lot of expectations, a lot of high expectations get off to a cold start could be a good thing for the bears because you lower the expectations. You get fields in there, give them some reps next year. You lose the Foles contract, the Dalton contract. You got a lot of money to spend, put some talent around that, rookie QB contract guy. I think next year you're looking at a really good Bears team if they do this well. No, I like how you put that. It's, you know, it's a great point. It's, that's living past this year, which I know is hard for some fans and hard for any, you know, Coach Nagy and, and probably people in, on, in the front office of the Bears to look at. But no, it's, it's a great way to put it. I mean, it's, you know, it, I think it would be a tough year as a Bears fan if you did see that struggle and you did see like, you know, hey, we have this, you know, pretty talented guys on our roster you know you still got mac you still you know have you know a defense that has the potential to be one of the best and and you know not only the division but in the league but it isn't it amazing that one guy 
in the division just changes the landscape of it all. Like you're literally waiting. You're like, all right, once Andrew, once Aaron Rodgers is out of Green Bay, like that's the Bears' chance. It's like having a guy like that. That's a true MVP caliber, you know, once in a lifetime type of quarterback is having somebody that you know if he's in your division, it's like, all right, like we're we're building for we're building for the future. So I think that you know that's a great perspective to have on it though with the Bears. Thanks, man. Well, it was really great catching up with you over the last half hour or so. Take good care of yourself. Is there anything else that you wanted to add while you're here? Anything else you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to? Yeah, I, I just want to say thank you, Jack, man. I know you're doing a, a lot of great stuff. You're pushing out content left and right. And, um, you know, I'm always going to be a fan of somebody, you know, that I was, you know, even even if it was just an hour and a half train ride, like someone that was <laughs> able to, to hey, be normal. Sure. To be normal with me, you know, for an hour and a half, which, uh, you know, <laughs> didn't, didn't happen too much when uh, when I was in, in school. But, um, no, I appreciate you. I appreciate you having me on. And I hope that everybody in the, that this show, you know, continues to gain listeners and followers and um, that it blows up someday and that you're 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 one Thanks, you're man. one of those voices that needs to be heard uh, when it comes to anything sports. Really appreciate that. That's very kind of you. I must add, we did share another moment at Valpo. There was a time Which one it, is that? it was pretty it was a lot shorter, but there was a time that we were both out at one of the bars. I think it was Pepe's. It was like a Tuesday. And I remember you walked into Pepe's. Was it it was Tuesday night? It was the Pepe's night that everyone yeah, to go, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. You walked in and neither you or I were big party guys. Like I I don't drink at all still. I don't drink. Yeah. And I know you weren't a big party guy. And so you showed up and I remember watching the whole bar just move over and like kind of follow you around. It was like Michael Jordan walked into this tiny little bar and then people started to clear out and I walked past you and you were like, Hey Jack, how you been? And then we uh, caught up, we were hanging out with like maybe like Jabril and Rachel Gerhardt. It was, it was, it was pretty brief, but I remember we were talking about like the celebrity apprentice and the bachelor and just reality TV shows, stuff like that. <laughs> you're a big reality TV guy. I do know that. I do yeah. know that. I, knew, I know your way into that. I, uh, yeah, I can't say the same for myself, but I did watch that season that, uh, that uh, my buddy Colton Underwood was on. We don't need to touch on that, but yeah. <laughs> um, no, like, yeah, we, I mean, you know, it, it, it was great to be able to uh, share those moments with you back then and to share another moment with you, with you now. I really appreciate, uh, you know, the Jack Vita show for, allowing me to come on here with the uh seven hour time difference and um do it all the way and technology is an amazing thing can do it all the way from a different country oh absolutely so alec how can people follow you on social media you want to toss out instagram twitter anything like that uh you guys don't have to follow me on social media i'm not the <laughs> biggest social media guy anyway i use it for information only twitter is my favorite thing because that's the quickest source of information out there um on anything so you know they can they can if they want to, they can look up the name and and do it. But I don't think you're going to be following anything interesting if you guys decide to. So I'll leave, I'll leave it up to I'll leave it up to the listeners and the followers of Jack V to show if they want to tune into some uh, some boring social media posts by me. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for coming, Alec. This was a great time. Thanks, Jack. All right, that does it for my conversation today with Alec Peters again former member of the Phoenix Suns who played in the NBA Finals this year. He was teammates with Devin Booker. I'll have to ask him about that next time he's here. I uh, had a great time talking with him. Make sure you guys, again, if you like this episode, subscribe on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Go to my website, jackvita.com, and get on the newsletter whenever I write something. You will be notified 
You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. My social media handles are at Jack Vita Show. It's a great time talking with Alec. Great time catching up. First time I had talked with him in over four years. So, uh, again, thanks to Alec. Great having him here. We will be back next week for our college football preview and our NFL preview. And then we also have another special mystery guest coming up on this show. Um, When I have a date confirmed for said mystery guest, I will release that information on social media so you don't miss out and you can submit questions for that guest. But it's someone pretty big time. I don't want to reveal who it is quite yet until we have a date down, but I'm excited. So I'm going to be taping the college football and NFL previews over the next few days, depending on how long those are. Those could be multiple episodes. They could be one episode. If it ends up being three hours of content, I'll split it up into multiple episodes so you don't have a three-hour pod on your hands. Okay, subscribe to the show. And until our next episode, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters.